Fury and uh, to your place. Um, take your Bibles. We are going to go back to Philippians. But as I mentioned, uh, for those of you who are on our email, not yet, not yet, guys. Sorry, not yet. You can keep it if you got it. Not yet. <laughs> Sorry, I want not yet. I want everybody to concentrate before we pass them out. So. We'll go through it a step at a time. I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to yell at you, but <laughs> I am so mean. Now, Marsha's got all the answers. I want to I go over that sheet with you first because uh, I had mentioned it to Pastor Dan, who's uh, sitting back there, and he says, yeah, you better not pass out at the beginning because they'll all just be taking notes. They'll put their grocery lists on it and things like that. <laughs> Uh, it's going to come into play here in just a moment in my message. So, um, and, and I just wanted to make one other comment as well. Last week, uh, when I had mentioned about giving, and, uh, and usually, I'll, I'll just, I don't know, for those of you who've, who've pastored for a number of years, um, the hardest thing in the world to talk about as a pastor is money. Did you ever notice that? I, I could talk about sex up here. I could talk about anything. It doesn't bother me at all. When it comes to money, I think deep inside, whenever a pastor mentions money, we think everybody's thinking, oh, he wants a raise. <laughs> or, oh, the church needs money for something, or whatever. And it's not true. So when I had mentioned last week about give money to the work of the harvest, um, that is really, that has nothing to do with us. That's for you to be blessed in the harvest because the seed that you give out is the seed you're going to get back. And it's such a blessing. And I say that because uh, I don't look really intently at the financial uh, things going on here at the church. We have a board meeting after church. And I am just always so shocked at how well we are doing financially. And it's because of you guys. It's because of your faithfulness. So give yourself an applause. Go ahead. Amen. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, are we allowed to do that? I don't know if we're allowed to do that. No, you, you have been faithful and uh, with your giving, and that is just wonderful. That is just wonderful. It allows us to do what we're doing uh, around the world and here. Praise his name. Okay, Philippians, the fourth chapter. <clears throat> Let's just read uh, verse uh, 8, uh, and I'm going to go back and sort of reverse it and touch on it. Finally, brethren, remember when he says finally, that means he's drawing a conclusion. And in, in, in uh, Paul's case, it's about his seventh or eighth conclusion. But finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is anything that is of virtue, anything that is praiseworthy, think or meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. So that's twice that he says the God of peace will be with us. Uh, we're going to talk today about how we think, how we think, or how we don't think <laughs> sometimes, uh, how we think, and uh, more importantly, what we think. It's very important what we think and how we perceive when we think. Uh, I asked somebody this question a while back. It's a little little mind uh, mind question. How do you drop an egg on a concrete floor without breaking it? It's a it's a mind twister. Well, the answer is very simple. You can't because you cannot break a concrete floor with an egg. Don't worry if you didn't get it. Around two o'clock this afternoon on the couch, you'll go ah. Oh. You see. 
perception, and that's just a simple mind, mind question, but it, talks, it goes to the point of perception in our lives, how we perceive. As soon as you said that question, you immediately thought of the egg, not the concrete, but it's how we perceive things. And the interesting thing about that is you can go through large sections of your life trying to answer a question that was never asked. Seeing something that is not there. Believing something that is not true. Looking at the question all wrong. And wondering why the question has no answer. Well, it's not even the question that's asked. You're trying to answer a question that isn't there. So it's how we perceive and how we think, and it's so dramatically important for us. And we're going to see that Paul takes this concept of thinking and he raises it to an incredible level. And actually, it was introduced a bit by Randy and, and what she said, but very deep way. Now, uh, this is actually another command or injunction or an admonition from Paul, right? It's a pattern of commands that Paul gives us. He starts off in the verses before and he says, rejoice. That's a command, rejoice. And then he says, be calm and moderate. Be calm and moderate. Then he says, pray with thanksgiving. And then he finally says, now think, think, think. Rejoice, be calm, pray, and think. We're going to reverse the order of these verses and start with the command at the top. And I'm going to say it this way. Think on anything that is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous, and praiseworthy. Think on on that. Think on those things. And what a good list of commands to follow, isn't it? My goodness. What a great way to live in the world. To walk around just thinking good things, true things, honest things, pure things, holy things, virtuous things, praiseworthy. Wow. That's a good way to live. And Paul, in his intricate way of expressing things, uses a specific word for the word think here in verse 8. And your Bibles will translate it differently. Mine says meditate, some say think. Uh, and it's a very interesting word. And we're going we're gonna to go through, the, through these three words, and then you're going to see them in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, which is a very important chapter dealing with this. But we're, we're going to see several words. There are several levels of thinking in the New Testament. The first Greek word is neo, and it simply means a thought or a perception. It's a very simple thing. Two plus two is four. Uh, the month is March. Uh, I have a headache, whatever. It's a simple thought. I mean, I don't, but I'm just using that as an example. Uh, it's a, just a simple thought. It could be right and it could be wrong, but it's just, you know, the Browns are the best team in football. All right, simple thought, wrong. <laughs> this. The Steelers are the best team in football. Simple thought, wrong. You know, it could be any thought that is very simple. The sky is blue, I hurt my foot. It's just a simple, simple thought. That's level one. That is not what Paul is using here. This is not level one. Level two is an extension of that word. It's noema. You don't have to write these down. You'll see them in a moment. It is a device, a design, or a contrivance now that's a little deeper thought now. Now we're getting into some deeper twisted thinking, more convoluted thinking, more intricate thinking, a thought on top of a thought filled with intention or desire. It's a deeper, deeper thought. And it's the word that's used in 2 Corinthians 5, 10, 5, which we'll get to in a moment. It's a constructed thought. <clears throat> second Corinthians, the second chapter, Paul uses it. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The word thought there is, the word device is thought. We're not ignorant of his 
thoughts. Second Corinthians 3, uh, Paul speaks of the Jews and he says their minds were blinded. That is, their, their devices, their thought processes, their, 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 their thinking was blinded. Second Corinthians 4, the God of this world has blinded their minds. So it's a mind that is thinking in a certain way. So that's level two. And when you think about the devices of Satan... And, and this is going to be, that's why I sent out an email to everybody. This is going to be a little different sermon this morning, a little more teachy. But when you think about the devices of Satan, where do they begin? They don't begin in the garage. They don't begin, you know, they, be, they don't begin in the physical realm. They begin in the realm of the mind, the thoughts, right? The lusts, the desires. They begin in our thinking process. And he's excellent at planting those device thoughts in our minds. So that's level two. Level one was a simple thought. Level two is the deeper design, the device. And then level three is the deepest word, and it's my favorite word in the New Testament. I just love this word, and Paul uses it several times. Logizomai. Ah, doesn't that feel good? Everybody say it, logizomai. If you'll notice, the root of the word logizomai is logos, word. And, and, and this word, logizomai, he uses it here in the eighth verse when he says, think on these things. He uses the word, the deepest possible word for thinking. It's what he uses here. And he uses it in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse 5, when he talks about arguments. <laughs> Ooh, I heard a little bit of a groan there. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? That whole passage. And then the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty to the ground, the pulling down of strongholds, casting down of vain imaginations, every high thing that exalts itself against God, bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And that word in there, vain imaginations, is logizomai. Arguments. Arguments. Why would Paul use this intense word in Philippians 4 when he tells us how to think? Why would he use that word? Why wouldn't he use the simple thinking? Why wouldn't he use the secondary thinking? Why would he go so deep? Why would he use the word argue? Okay, now, thank you guys. You can now pass out the sheet. Get ready. Get your thinking caps on. <laughs> and we're going to work through this step by step. And that's why I didn't want to give it out right at the beginning because I wanted everybody to sort of see and think. And uh, Abby, I apologize. Your husband's going to have to interpret this for you. It's muy difícil. <laughs> Muchas palabras. Pienso y más. <laughs> I just love speaking to her like a toddler. <laughs> I have toddler Spanish. <laughs> Emily, Emily uh, can maybe help you out afterwards. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, this sheet is entitled The Importance of Right Thinking. Now, let me, let me give you just, don't get nervous, don't get scared, all right? This does come from a psychological background, all right? This is, has its background in psychology. Uh, and I've always felt that psychology is like many sciences. It exposes many things, but then it doesn't have the answer for it. It'll show you what the problem is many times, but 
without Jesus and without the word, you can't really correct the problem too well. And I, I saw this at a school that I was uh, subbing at for on a, a consistent basis. It was a, uh, it was a uh, school, middle school, fourth through sixth graders, and it was a behavior problem school. Not, not Down syndrome, not Asperger's, not autism, but good old fashioned, throw the chair over, throw the teacher out the window chair type thing. Uh, behavior problems. And I saw this on the wall. It was one of the counselors that brought it in, I guess. And I was standing there one day staring at it. I'm thinking, this is magnificent. This is the answer to all of our problems. Right here. And I shared it with the kids. And they all looked at me, and that was it. <laughs> but this is the way that thinking works. Now let's walk our way through this. It's very interesting. Let's start in the upper left-hand corner. You have your thought. Everybody knows it starts, sometimes you see something, you hear something, but it begins with a thought. A thought comes into your mind. Inevitably, that thought is going to cause a feeling. So it's going to either make you happy or it's going to make you sad. It's going to make you angry, going to make you joyful. It creates a feeling. Uh, King David saw Bathsheba taking a bath, and he had a thought. And the thought created a feeling, didn't it? Why are you all looking at me? Yeah. Elijah got depressed because he was thinking a certain thing. I'm the only one in Israel. And God said, no, I got 7,000 prophets. Let me show you where they're at. John the Baptist was in prison. And he got a little bit concerned. And he sent a message to Jesus. And he said, ask him, are you the one or are we looking for another? And Jesus said, tell them the lame are healed, the blind, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I'm the one. Why? What happened to John the Baptist? John the Baptist probably felt like many of the Jews of his day that Jesus was going to overthrow Rome and we were all going to live happily ever after. And it didn't happen. And now he's sitting in prison about to lose his head and he's wondering, maybe this wasn't the... He was thinking something and it caused him to feel something. So thoughts... Move to feeling. Now, you'll see in between there, there's a little blue line that says filter through Philippians 4.8. If you don't do that little blue line, oh boy, you're in trouble. This is where we differ from psychology, right? We, we can filter things through the word of God, and the word of God can instruct us. So filter through. So it goes to feeling. Then from your feelings, you notice the arrows. It's going to move down to one of two things. Green is good. Dead is, red is dead. Green is good. Red is dead. You're either going to take action on your feeling or you're going to react to your feeling. And if you take action, it usually leads to a good effect. In other words, you make a change. You do something. And then the effect, green is good. Red is dead. The effect will cause you to go back to thinking. Effect will lead to better thoughts. It'll lead to more self-control. It'll lead to better decision-making. Unfortunately, if you go the red route and your feeling causes you to react, then guess what happens? You usually have a consequence. And the consequence usually is not very good. And the consequence will lead to loss of control, bad decisions, which leads to more bad thinking, which leads to more bad feelings... Do you see the pattern? If you wanted to, if you can think three-dimensionally, you could also do this. You could take your paper and you could look at it this way, and you could see that if you think 
clockwise and correctly, you will find out that the thinking, feeling, action, and effect that comes from the word will spiral you up. If you counterclockwise it or if you go the red way, it's going to spiral you down. And it usually spirals you down into yourself. How many wish you would just go back to preaching and stop teaching? <laughs> this, is, this is a work Sunday. This is a work Sunday. So we have the choice then, as believers especially with the word of God, we can have a thought come into our mind. We can, it can cause a feeling, I'm sure, I'm sure. When Jesus was on the earth, I'm sure thoughts went into his mind. And I'm sure that there were feelings in his flesh. I'm sure he got hot and tired and everything else. He was thirsty, all sorts of things. But he was able to capture the feeling, submit it to the word of God, and then in submission to the word, he caused an action and effect, and it caused a proper thing. So now, we look at our words from 2 Corinthians 10, and believe me, I'm going to bring this all the way back to our point. For though we walk in the flesh, right, our weapons are not uh, carnal, but mighty God through pulling down three things, pulling down, casting down, and bringing into captivity. The word of God will do it will pull down, it will cast down, and it will bring into captivity. It brings, first of all, it pulls down strongholds, which is a fortification of an opinion. Did you ever get into an argument and you knew you were wrong, but you still fortified your opinion? <laughs> I told you this before, I loved it. One time when I was online and I was in a forum, uh, I think it was a, it was a, uh, a thing about uh, mechanical uh, car issues, and I, I just loved it. This one guy, they, all, these, all these geniuses were giving their input, <laughs> and this one guy said, I don't know much about the subject, but I'd like to give my input. That is just so awesome. That is so human. I'm going to fortify my opinion that I don't have about anything. So pulling down, and then it's also casting down, and here it is, imaginations from Philippians 4.8. It is reasonings and arguments, arguments, and every high thing, elevated barrier that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every device to the obedience of Christ. As we move through this cycle, we are in the word, we're casting down, we're pulling down, and we're bringing into captivity. If you do not include the word, if you're not filtering your mind through the word of God, you are in big trouble. You are living a life of consequences. You're living a life of running from one emergency to another, one despair to another, one husband to another, one wife to another, one man to another, one woman to another. Oh my goodness, I, was, I was thought I was not going to preach, right? One job to another, one problem to another. If we captivate our minds and our hearts and our feelings through the word of God, believe me, life becomes, what's Paul say? Peaceful. 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 I don't know about you, but I want a peaceful life. I want a peaceful life. Now, you can stick that in your Bible. You can put it on the refrigerator when you get home. You can stare at it because the more you look at it, the more you realize, wow, that's really true. But let's go back then to our message. Philippians 4. Let me give you why I believe he says argument here in Philippians 4. Let me give you the reason I believe he says think on these things, argue these things. If you are going to think only true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report, virtuous, praiseworthy thoughts, you are going to have to fight and argue with yourself like never before. You can't just use normal thinking. 
all along. I'm going to think good thoughts now. Oh, happy, 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 happy. That won't work. You can't even use deep, constructed device thinking because no matter how hard you try to figure yourself out, you won't be able to. And you'll always have the wrong end of the argument because you will always be right. I'm always right with me. I'm never wrong. It could not possibly be me. <laughs> if you're going to do Philippians 4.8, you are going to have to argue with your fallen mind until you wrestle it to the ground and kill it with the word of God. That's what I'm saying. This is a work Sunday, isn't it? Time change. You know, we need to work. Romans, the eighth chapter, Paul says, put to death the deeds of the body and you'll live. Colossians 3, put to death in your members, Paul says, right? 1 Corinthians 15, Paul put it, after all that, he said, let me put it as bluntly as I possibly can. He said, I die daily. <laughs> I die daily. And you know what? God bless him. That's good because I think I need to die every 10 minutes. Every time I turn on the TV, I think I need to die. Every time I hear something, I think I need to die. Jesus put it this way. The kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Oh boy. You take it by force. If I am going to think these thoughts, it's not going to come naturally to me. I've said this to you before. What comes naturally to me? Buffets. Football. Sofas. <laughs> Retaliation. Vindication. Self-promotion. Those things all come naturally. I don't have to... They just happen every day. I could do them all. I could do. Them. I could tell you how to do it. I can give you. A I can give write a book on how to do that. It's so easy. That's why we don't have books on that. We don't have books on <laughs> how to think bad because we do it all the time. If you're going to do these things, it's going to take a fierce argument of violence inside your mind to put down all of these thoughts. Hmm. You say, okay, well, how do we accomplish this? How do we accomplish this? I'm going to give you four things, and I probably should have written this on that sheet as well, but four very simple, quick things. Number one, you have to filter what goes in your mind. You have to filter what goes in your mind. Oh, my goodness, you have to filter what goes in your mind. <laughs> oh, my goodness. L listen, okay, let me, since, since I've lost everybody, let me go all the way, shall I? Let, let's, just do it, let's just do it all the way here. Do you know, do you know, this, this, is, this is very interesting. This is fact. This is not conspiracy. You can go home and look on the New York Stock Exchange and the S&P websites. You can click on a company. It'll show you all the investors. You can investigate yourself. It's very simple to find out. Do you know that uh, for CNN, the cable news network, CNN and, and MSNBC, MSNBC, uh, Microsoft merged with NBC News. What could go wrong there? A major corporation with a news network. Oh, no, nothing to see here. CNN, of the top three investors, 
The top two are BlackRock and Vanguard. You may not know who BlackRock and Vanguard are. They are top financial investment companies around the world. They're worth trillions of dollars. Fox News, top two investors of the top three, BlackRock and on the right and on the left. It doesn't matter. They're making money. They're not there to speak the truth. They're there to make money. Pfizer, created the vaccine within the top three investors. Top two, BlackRock and Vanguard. Isn't that interesting? What are you saying, Pastor? Nothing. I'm not saying a thing. WYTV and WKBN, many you don't know, in 2007, their news departments merged. They're owned by Nexstar. Nexstar is owned by BlackRock and Vanguard. BlackRock and Vanguard own 90%. They own Disney. They own Comcast. They own 90% of the news media that you watch. Do you think their thoughts and their intentions toward you are for good or for evil? You know what? They don't care. Their thoughts are for money. And you know what? My wife said to me the other day, you know, we own BlackRock. I said, good. Buy more of it. If we can make money off of it, great. (laughs) Make money off of it and tithe. Hallelujah. The whole world is lying to us. Totalmente el mundo (laughs) is lying to us. So everything you hear, my friend, you have to filter, 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 filter. How many of you still like me? (laughs) I'm just saying facts, that's all. That's all I'm saying. So you have to filter what goes into the mind. The second thing you have to do is you have to control your thinking. You have to control your thinking. Now, you can immediately say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, Pastor, but that's easy for some people. It's more difficult for other people. Some are disciplined. Some people have, uh, have um, uh, uh, ACDC or OCD. and uh, AC- <laughs> They like rock groups. <laughs> uh, OCD, right? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that was good. <clears throat> uh, it might have been a Freudian slip. I don't know. They're, maybe they're bipolar or maybe they have a chemical investment. So it's easy for some people to say, well, you know what? Romans, the 12th chapter, I, I like the way Paul puts it. He's talking about living at peace with each other, which is a very good goal for all of us. And he says, Romans 12, if at all possible, as much as is within you. So I'll put it to you this way. If it's at all possible, As much as is within you, control your thinking. If you can only catch 20% of it, catch 20. 
and then say, Lord, I'm going to work on 25. And when I get to 25, I'm going to try 28. I'm going to shut off everything I need to shut off. I'm going to cancel everything I cancel. I'm going to stop Netflix. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to stop that. And I, you know what, folks? I'm so tired of hearing Christians complain about how bad Netflix is. Uh, we don't have Netflix. I don't know. I, I'm so, I, all, all, oh, there's so many horrible things on Netflix. All that has to happen is every Christian in the United States has to cancel their Netflix account, and Netflix will suddenly become very Christian. It's all money. Where am I? Filter. Control. Number three, forcefully align your thought processes to the word. Forcefully align. Forcefully. It takes force to look at this word and say, you're right and I'm wrong. So I'm going to force myself to go your way. So forcefully align yourself. Paul says, I beat my body into subjection every day. I don't know if you want to go that far, but forcefully align. So filter, control, forcefully align, and, far, and finally, argue with yourself. Argue with yourself. Bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ after our obedience is fulfilled, Paul says. So the goal is for our obedience. So I argue with me, no one else. It won't work if you argue with your wife. It won't work if you argue with your friend or your sister or your brother. It won't work argue, if you can argue with your husband. doesn't matter. You've got to argue with yourself first. Oh, how many are glad you came to church this morning? Hallelujah. <laughs> you say, okay, well, what's the importance of this then? Because so, we didn't even get to, to verse 8 yet. We're just getting to the one set. We'll get to the other, we'll get to the good stuff next week when we find out how, how this good stuff is. Okay, but you say, well, what's the importance of this then? All right, l- let's take one example from Scripture. Just one, well, we, we talked about a couple of them, David and others, but just, just one quick example. You know the story. It's, we heard it in Sunday school. We know it by heart just about the 12 spies after they were released from Egypt. They were on the ver- verge of Canaan land, and they were standing there looking at the promised land, and they went in to spy out the land, 12 of them. 10 of them came back, said we can't do it. Two of them said we could, all based on what they saw and what they felt. They lost 40 of the next years of their lives because of how they felt about what they saw. Never were the grapes larger and more delicious than in Canaan land. But all they saw were the giants. This group of people that left Egypt with all of the spoils of Egypt without raising a sword or a spear. But yet they were afraid of some giants. This group that watched a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night guide them through a woman. Still afraid. This group that watched the Red Sea part and they went on dry ground and as soon as the last Israelites stepped on shore on the other side, the sea closed and all of the Egyptian army, the greatest of the day, was obliterated. But all they saw were the giants. Mm. Never was there a land that flowed with more milk 
but all they saw were the cities. Never was there a land that flowed with more honey, but all they saw were the forests. Never was there a land that was so bountiful and blessed, but all they saw was the enemy. That where, where there was the greatest victory ever, all they saw was defeat. They, they, they made the giants their victors, and they made God's victors the defeated. They snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. They lost their minds even before they raised a sword. Think on these things. Argue them into your spirit. Put your finger on your own self and say, in the name of Jesus, you're wrong. In the name of Jesus, that attitude is wrong. In the name of Jesus, that gossip is wrong. In the name of Jesus, that thought is wrong. And I'm going to think only good thoughts. Because my God is going to lead me into Canaan land and I'm going to take out his sword and I'm going to defeat every enemy in that land and I'm going to sit back and drink my milk and eat my honey and enjoy my harvest because I'm thinking God's way and God's way is victory all the time. Let's bow our heads. Father, you have given us incredible minds we can only imagine what the minds of Adam and Eve were like before the fall. Unbelievable. Unbelievable creativity. Unbelievable love. Unbelievable passion. Unbelievable what it must have been. And there is that remnant in our brains. We are creative. We are amazing with what we can do with our brains. But Father, that fallen part just snares us and snags us. The devices of the devil the way he talks to us, the way we listen, the fear that immobilizes us, the passions that are in us that we just can't control. May we be those who think only on what is good, true, honest, pure, lovely, virtuous, praiseworthy. And may we meditate on those things and may we argue for those things in ourselves. And Father, we can do it only by your grace and your mercy. We can only do it by your love, by your compassion. We can only do it because when we fall, we get back up and you start us down the path again. But help us to be those that will be the admitters and will confide in you and open our hearts to you. We thank you for that, Father. We want to be good thinkers in these last days. Good thinkers. Good thinkers. And we could do it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Can you imagine the world is looking for an army of individuals who only have good things on their lips? Can you imagine that? Words of blessing, words of healing, words of joy, words of light. Wow. Wow. That's our task. That's our goal in Jesus. Let's stand together. I've given you a challenge. I've given you, uh, people will say to me at times, oh, you were just preaching to me. No, no, no. You have to understand something, folks. There's only one person in this room today, and he's standing in the pulpit. None of you are here. I don't even know who you are. I'm preaching to me because I know just where you're at. I know how hard it is to stay positive, to stay up, 
to stay blessed. It's so hard nowadays. But we can do it through the power of Jesus. Amen? And through the power of this word. Hide it in your heart. Hallelujah. God bless you. Turn around. Bless somebody in Jesus' name. Go forth in his goodness and his mercy.